0: joined today by superstar realtor Rick Jansen, a real estate industry veteran who transitioned from his former career as a lawyer into real estate back in 2002 and hasn't looked back since. With an MBA in marketing, a semi-professional photography hobby, and an entrepreneurial spirit, Rick launched into the top 7% of his market rated by dollar volume. His numerous awards have been recognized in Forbes, the Denver Business Journal, 5280 Magazine and Top Agent Magazine. He and his wife renovated a home on HGTV's professional grade and Rick actively fixes and flips homes as what he calls his side hustle. Rick is a Harris Certified Coach Affiliate. In December of 2019, Rick made the decision to move his independent brokerage Denver Lifestyle to EXP Realty. Now, let's welcome Rick to the call as we join our host... Tim Harris.
1: All right. Thank you for that great uh, introduction, Tim. I really appreciate it. So as Tim just said, I'm very pleased to welcome my co-host to today's podcast, Mr. Rick Jansen. So Rick, I really appreciate your time today.
2: Hey, thanks, Tim. I really love being on here.
1: So Rick, you sell real estate where? Let them know a little bit about you, how long you've been in the business, all that good stuff.
2: Sure. I uh, am in the greater Denver area. So the seven counties of Denver, been selling real estate full-time since 2002 uh, when I left my practice as an attorney.
1: I didn't realize you were an attorney first.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was an attorney doing contract law of an MBA in marketing.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, well, that ex- that actually puts, that explains a lot when I communicate with you why you sound so professional. I understand now. So that's an interesting – go ahead. Billing every six
2: minutes of your day is no way to make a living.
1: No, I imagine not. <laughs> you know, it's a, it is a lot. Of, it, it is interesting how many people with professional backgrounds like yours um, get into real estate. I'm sort of curious now that I'm learning this about you. Um, you spent a lot of time in school. You spent a lot of time pursuing a path that would be the exact opposite of the path of a real estate prof- a professional. Why did you walk away from all that education? Well, obviously it's still in your head, but you know what I mean. Why would you walk away from that professional career path and decide to be an independent contractor selling real estate?
2: Well, I've always had a passion for homes, Tim. I can walk in a home and see, uh, you know, the future of the home, the potential in a home, and I love spotting up-and-coming neighborhoods. And what I, lo- what I realized is I love working with people, wanted to teach people, wanted to coach people, and I thought that's what you could do as an attorney. But as it turns out, as an attorney, really you're just a high-priced McDonald's employee, and the only way to make any more money is to build more time. Whereas in real estate, you can multiply your time and effort uh, either through other agents, through yourself, and sell high. You know, if you want to make more money, sell a
1: higher-priced property. You mean you can create leverage basically? Whereas when you're just selling your time, there's no leverage because it's once you're <coughs> done selling time, you've got nothing else to sell. That's in essence what you're saying, correct? Exactly, leverage was key. Yeah. So is that when you were getting in, when pursuing real estate, obviously you sell homes. What other things are you involved in as far as re- in the real estate world? What are there, I have a feeling it's going to be way more than just selling houses.
2: <laughs> there are quite a few things. I uh, do a little property management on the side. Um, also been fixing and flipping homes, uh, trying to get to the point where we fix and hold, because that's where the real cash is, uh, but supervise a couple of crews doing that here in the Denver area, buying investment properties, uh, syndicating, you know, kind of, pulling together other people's money, not syndicating, uh, but doing member-managed LLCs to put uh, people together to flip properties. Uh, And then, uh, you know, continue to go on buyer tours and list properties as well. Uh, Also do some coaching.
1: Yes, you do. You're one of our certified coaches, actually, a Harris certified coach. So talk to us about what's going on in the greater Denver area. You and I have exchanged some text prior to today's interview, and I know that you've, your area has seen, your state has seen a, a really interesting growth uh, as far as the inflow of cash from the legalization of marijuana and some other things that have been going on. So talk to the folks all over the country about what's going on in your market in particular and in your state as much as you feel comfortable.
2: Sure, and the other driver of our market really has been the tech sector. Uh, There's a corridor between Denver and Boulder on I-36 that really is attracting sort of, you know, the back office of Google and others. Uh, We've had just a huge IT boom here uh, and tons of unfilled jobs. We have about 3.5% unemployment at the moment and huge commercial development as well. So with 3.5% unemployment, uh, you know, wages keep going up and then home prices keep going up. We've been underbuilding the Denver market probably 10,000 homes a year. Uh, for the whole since from like 2008 at the start of the recession um, through about 2013. So it really wasn't then that new home builders started taking off again, but inventory continues to lag way behind. What we have seen recently, starting probably in about August or September of last year, uh, was inventory crept up from one month of inventory, which means everything on the market can sell in 30 days, to probably about a month and a half to two and a half months of inventory, depending upon the price point. This has slowed things down a little bit. Instead of 15 offers on a property sub 400, you now maybe have four, but you still have four competing offers in a bidding war. Uh, Yeah. But we are seeing, we are seeing prices go probably, you know, we were seeing some neighborhoods go up 10 to 20% a year, year over year for four years in a row. Uh, So we've really catapulted up in value. Uh, but you know, homes over a million dollars now are slowing. There's, you're seeing about maybe 40%, 46% of those have a price reduction now. People are still trying to overreach. They're still trying to price like it was last spring, and it's not. Uh, but we will probably still see a steady 3 to 5% appreciation for the next year or two.
1: So I'm curious. That was interesting what you just said. So in one price segment, and the listeners, the reason I'm going to drill down on what you just said is because it's important that you understand the um, your market price segments as well it's critical I heard him say and correct me if I'm wrong here that under 400,000 things are still selling you said with three to four competing offers but over a million there uh, there's big price reduction so we could say hypothetically there's some value loss that's happening in certain price ranges but the same when you say the overall 5% appreciation you're not referring to obviously the more expensive real estate so if you could just sort of break down how you're seeing the market in different price ranges that would help benefit the listeners because they need to learn how to do the same thing.
2: Sure, I would say sub two sub two hundred fifty thousand is lightning round. You better still be out there in the first four hours. Uh, put your hand on the buzzer and say yes, please. And there's still you know we're still in a wave inspection, wave appraisal uh, type of situation down there. From two fifty to five hundred, uh, the, the pedal's still under the metal, uh, as it were, to use a car analogy. It's it's pretty fast, uh, but. Home buyers are becoming a lot more sophisticated with all the tools that are publicly available, so they still will not overpay. Uh, So the danger is agents that are inexperienced or just inexperienced in pricing will still go to market too high. And as you know, Tim, and as you teach uh, through Harris Coaching, if you price too high, you're going to sell for below market value because you're just going to chase the market down. And so if you can find those homes that are slightly overpriced, there's a little more time to breathe and think. From 500 to about 800, um, there there we're still seeing steady appreciation in market, and then again, once it's over a million, um, yeah, we are seeing those price reductions because the sellers are saying, "Hey, my home is worth 1.2. It's really worth about a million fifty, and if you price it at a million two, you're going to sell for 980." And that just happens time and time again. They overreach and then they they come in
1: losing tons of money. Aspirational pricing is what we call it. (laughs) That's a nice way of saying it. Okay, I'm sure many of you at this point are somewhat curious about eXp. It's something that seems to be on everyone's mind. eXp is obviously one of the fastest-growing real estate brokerages in the history of real estate. Um, I'm going to save you the effort of having to do a lot of Googling and a lot of research. We've prepared a video for you. All you have to do is text the word eXp, that's it, just text the word eXp to 31996. Go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP the 31996, and you're going to be sent a link, and you can watch a quick seven-minute video that eXp has provided so that you can get all your questions answered about eXp. It's just a fantastic business model. Seriously, consider texting the word eXp to 31996. So you're, um, it's in those upper end price ranges then, if someone's purchased in just the past couple of years, it's entirely likely that they're going to lose money.
2: Uh yes and no. Uh so if they if they way over paid for something then yes. Uh and there were cases where people over a million were still in a bidding war frenzy and they thought, you know, as long as the market goes up five ten percent a year, I'm fine. If they way overshot, then yes. Uh, if you conservatively priced a home and, and put an offer in, uh the market then the market's gonna accept that. Uh, but what I always do with my clients is I say, hey, if you buy a home and you decide within a year it's the wrong one, I'll sell it for free. And that's, that's just kind of my guarantee is it gets people over that little fear of am I doing the wrong thing? And it gives permission, people permission to buy. They're so scared to buy a home and make the wrong decision. You have to give them that permission. And so I we, say, hey, you know what? We st- we're still going to have to pay a buyer's agent 2.8% or whatever it is for the local market, but I'll waive my side.
1: So in a market where all this is, and this is very, you know, this is how most of the country is. What you're describing, this type of, you know, pricing, where we're seeing the softness, where we're seeing things still um, be a very uh, competitive. How does new construction fit into all this? Because you said new construction's fallen by, fallen back by 10,000 homes per year in your marketplace. What price range are the builders building in, and what is that? Is it causing softness in the resale market of the in similarly priced homes?
2: It only causes softness if you're building new uh, right next to an established community, right? Mm-hmm. So, and most of the building right now is happening above 500,000, just because builders can't get the land cheap enough to buy anything that's quasi-affordable. Uh, the average home price right now in Denver's 440, but by, pers- by by way of perspective, the average home price in Boulder, just up the road, is a million forty. It's whole whole different reason for that. But the builders are coming in, you know, in the in the low 400s or whatever, and you walk out the door at 550. So, typically speaking, it's 550 and up is really where they're building, and it's it's tough. It's tough for everybody, but there there just is no new home construction. So that's where you know the fix and flip opportunity is, is if you can come in on a state sale, on a foreclosure, on something like that. And you can kind of prime that three hundred to four hundred market you're pretty guaranteed you're going to get out of your investment when you fix and flip
1: so let's talk a little bit about um specifically you and I have exchanged you know we we've communicated a lot for today's show um in your marketplace, you're seeing all these eye buyer companies you're seeing the technologists come in and try to uh, essentially disintermediate in use that overused term from the nineties agents from the real estate equation you said uh you know essentially making uh you felt like when you were selling your time, you felt like you were an hourly employee working at McDonald's, right, and so that mm-hmm. seems to be the vision that these technologists have of a lot of the, of the future of the average real estate practitioner. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think the eye
2: buyers are gonna make a huge toehold. I mean, Redfin's trying to come in here with their one percent listing fees. We have a local company that also does a, a very reduced fee, and they offer $1,500 $1, to the buyer's agent as a flat fee. And they have that flat fee company has a, a tremendous market share. I think they did $432 million in sales last year. Uh, last I heard, they're trying to do an IPO and go national. But that said, I, the iBuyer program, you're re, it's really based off of fear, and I, in my opinion. And, that, and that's because someone's afraid that they're going to – you know, not – they're going to have too many showings, or they're going to sit on the market, or they're going to own two homes, or they're not going to have a place to go, or they're going to misprice it, they're going to choose the wrong agent, all of those fears, right? And so the iBuyer comes in and says, hey, we'll give you an a, you know, offer of 400000 for your house. Well, the house is really worth four eighty, And so anytime anybody's offering cash for a home, there's got to be a profit margin in it for them unless Wall Street's backing them and they can lose money every day, which unfortunately is the case with some of these odd buyer programs. But they also won't – like I just, out of curiosity, requested a valuation on my house from Open Door, and they won't do anything over 600000 So when your average price point in Denver is $440, that cuts out a lot
1: of the market just right there. So I'm, I'm not I sure how I, much of a total think- they're going to get. I think nationwide, a lot of these guys, when the market started to slow down, um, I think they limited the, all the I buyer types. They're the ones that there's three or four that people talk about all the time, but there's actually a ton, a ton of little I buyers that have popped up, and um, you know most of them are venture funded, as Rick said. Most of them kind of are it baked into the cake that they're going to lose money for the first few years as they try to gobble market share. That's the thing that's interesting to watch is that all these big investment companies are moving and uh, some of the biggest invest, uh, hedge funds in the world are moving into the iBuyer space. Uh, international money is moving into the iBuyer space and they literally and podcast listeners it's important to understand this. When you're trying to explain, don't try to use your normal real estate investor type brain trying to understand how these businesses work. I read this on Enderman all the time where people you know, argue back and forth about how can a company stay in business and lose money? Well, it's easy because they have a big old you know, rich uncle called SoftBank that <laughs> so keeps on throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at them it, with the understanding that the game here is not to make money uh, short-term, it's to make money long-term. It's to make money because you've become the most dominant iBuyer company in the world. That's where these guys are moving. So the competition in this iBuyer space is massive. And uh, that's the reason that Zillow, essentially, it seems, you know, uh, if you read the interviews with the new CEO, has essentially completely pivoted on their business model, and are now no longer really in the selling leads to de- agent business anymore. Which is, you know, they're obviously doing that now, but they're scaling that back. Rich Barton did an interview recently, and Rick and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, where basically they say, look, we're getting, we're doubling down on the I buyer space and we're not necessarily wanting to pursue selling buyer leads to agents anymore. So not to say I told you so, but we really did tell you so. We knew that was going to happen. We told you two years ago, and those of you who have built your businesses individually as agents or as brokerages on uh, on buy- buying buyer leads, well, you're going to have some interesting challenges moving forward. So, Rick, you had some insight, actually, on what Zillow was going to be doing in your individual market that you kind of tipped me off to a few weeks ago. Do you mind sharing that? Well, they're, they're
2: just, uh, you know, they're really focusing on the high-end folks with Zillow. So, I mean, if you're spending, you know, they just kind of are, right now, from what I hear on the street, they're talking, uh, you know, kind of exclusively per state to the people who are paying the most per month. And the, believe me, folks, what that figure, dollar figure is per month would just blow you away because it's more than most people make GCI in a year. And that's what they're spending and advertising in Zillow per month. And so is really kind of taking a look at those folks and seeing how they can juice their profit uh, and possibly adjusting their model. All
1: right, so I'm going to remind all of you, you want to text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now, and you'll be uh, texted back a link of for a seven-minute video that answers all your questions about EXP. So go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP to 31996. Takes two seconds, and uh Yeah. We'll text you back with the video. You can just watch it and uh, have all your questions answered. Right now, in the industry, agents need to basically be choosing their partners long-term. That means the bro- uh, brokers, they need to be selective on who they're going to work with. That means the technology companies, the CRM companies. And I'll give you an ex- even a coaching company. I'm going to give you an example. One of our main competitors has his own CRM. So he came out with this CRM. I won't mention the name, nor will I mention the name of his product, but it turns out his CRM was actually a white labeled version of a CRM that was recently purchased by um, Compass. So in essence, when you buy this, you know you're doing this you know, business with this coaching company, and uh, you you decide to subscribe to a CRM. The next thing you you don't realize this. Maybe he didn't even tell you because I know he didn't. But the CRM was really. A white labeled version of a CRM that's just recently sold to Compass. So your information, the very thing that's the most value in your business, you now are essentially sharing with what may be a uh, you know competitor of your brokerage. That is a really crappy alignment, if you ask me. Where if you're using that CRM, maybe you need to take a step back and reconsider that is whether or not that's really the direction you want to go. And Rick, speaking Look, of you know valuable partnerships, oh, do you have something to tag on there? I have a feeling you do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so what, the valuable partnerships is something I was thinking about when you mentioned that. It kind of triggered in my head. You know, I've I kind of been looking at Zillow as the gorilla in the corner, and everybody goes to the stand, buys bananas, and feeds it. And it's getting bigger <laughs> and bigger, and one day it's going to wake up and realize it's King Kong, right? And King Kong can do whatever the heck King Kong wants. But we've yeah. all bought the bananas that fed him, right? Mm-hmm. and there are, there are some big, big competitors out there and i I've had my own brokerage for sixteen years. At one point, I had ten agents in my firm, and it was costing me a lot of sleep, a lot of stress on my marriage and my family and I started realizing like okay how much how much does that actually of value to me to you know stroking the ego to have a ten person firm, but how is my little ten person firm going to compete in terms of agent attraction? client attraction, and all those things versus the monsters that are growing and then gobbling. And I started looking around and kind of woke up to the fact that there are some new models out there. The, the biggest one I found, the best one I found, the one I actually switched to in December was EXP. And uh, a lot of my agents ended up coming with me. And I, I started realizing, like, I've got to do something different than I've done for the past 16 years, right? The, that market no longer exists. And while possibly could eke out a living for the – you know, and eke out – I'm in the top 7% in Denver, right? So I could eke out a living for the next 10 or 15 years, but do I really want to die on a listing appointment? I don't, right? I want to, I want to actually spend some time with my you, family. I want to spend some on, time with on, my family. Hold on, hold on, Rick.
1: Rick, yeah, I need to preface yes. what you're saying because he means physically die, age yeah. out of the business. Basically, go to the next listing appointment in the sky, I think is where he's referring to because no, this, he, go, he's – correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it is true. I mean, real, t- real estate agents don't retire. They might stop selling real estate, but where they go after they stop selling real estate is probably not some place that anybody wants to end up being. You know, and, and that's unfortunate. And, and I understand completely what you're saying. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to clarify what you were saying. So, so continue. No, that's please.
2: okay. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to enter the gates of a Shea Home community and leave going through the pearly gates. Right? Like that's no way to go. <laughs>
1: exactly. I know what you're thinking. You're very curious, especially now that you're learning more about the revenue share model that eXp offers. Go ahead and text the word eXp to 31996. Just go ahead and do that now. Just text the word eXp to 31996. And we'll text you back a quick video that explains everything you need to know about eXp in just a quick seven-minute video, and we'll also give you access to having additional questions answered. So while you're thinking about it, go ahead and text the word eXp to 31996. Do that now, eXp31996. <laughs> well, so you chose eXp, and I obviously we're doing a lot of everywhere I look, people are switching over to eXp. There's no doubt that that's going to be the big, you know, that is probably one of the biggest mega trends I've ever seen in the over 20 years, Julian, and I've been in the business. When I look back to when we started selling real estate in our early 20s, we're now in our late 40s, <laughs> um, I look at uh, the big trends that have come and gone, and there's been really some notable ones. If you if you go all the way back, you might want to say, like, I think Howard Britton in the 90s was a huge mega trend. Um, again, many of you don't know that name, and then Keller Williams was a big mega trend, and then you could even say that you know zilla was certainly a big mega trend buying birlyles was a big mega trend you know branding was a big mega trend the big dumb teams i'm sorry the big team model is a mega trend all these things come and go all these things are just basically the fashion of the the usually they last 3 to 5 years and then people start realizing that they're just a trend or they just lose interest in them it's kind of interesting the way those things work but you ask yourself, well, why is it that agents will you know, why are they attracted to the certain things there? social networking, there's another big so why is it that agents are attracted to those things? And why do they lose interest in those things? They really do find a lot of those things and some of like social networking, that was exciting, that was new, but also it was obviously a trend from the start because it was predicated on the idea that you weren't gonna have to do real work anymore. You weren't gonna have to do what you didn't want to do and you didn't want to do it at the highest level. So Listeners, if you're ever trying to discern if something's real or not, and look, you can make money short-term in a a new trend, don't get me wrong. When Julie and I were selling real estate and Google just started selling pay-per-click ads, I remember it was like November, December, I don't remember what year, but I was experimenting with pay-per-click ads and we were doing really well for like six months and then everyone else figured out what we were doing. So you can make money in the very short term with trends, but ultimately, the way you know whether something's a trend or not, the way you know whether something is really worth you investing a lot of your time and energy in, is the answer to this one question. Am I doing this to avoid the real work? And the real work is basically putting yourself in a position to potentially hear no from a potential buyer or seller. So if you can answer the question truthfully... That that's the highest and best use of your time, doing whatever that you know thing is. That you're just you know, I'm going to spend my time working on my brand. Well, why exactly? Well, I don't really know. Okay, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should learn how to be a really good, you know, honey expired, or really good at pricing listings or this core stuff that everyone looks for. Rick, actually, that's kind of going to take a half step back. As someone who has a a large, you know, real formal professional background, does it surprise you how little? expertise there is in real estate? Did you find that when you were an attorney and when you were in your marketing backgrounds with your MBAs and all that? Where, are you kind of surprised the, how little agents invest in their education?
2: The barrier to entry is very low. And then nobody – and I am surprised, actually, at, at how few people do invest in coaching and humbling themselves to go forward. And that's, humbling yourself is one of the things I had to do, uh, and that's been that's been a hard journey. But, you know, when I, even when I first heard about eXp – I kicked and screamed in the corner like a baby for six months saying, No, I can do it better, my model's better, I can resist, I can keep going until I finally woke up and started realizing people with hundred million dollar businesses, two hundred million dollar businesses, doing three hundred transactions a year were moving the EXP, they might be doing it better than I am, and maybe they know something I don't know. And so I started trying to figure out what
1: they knew that I didn't know. And Well what they did they know that a you lot didn't too. know?
2: We'll talk yeah, about
1: know, it. So, what, why were there yeah, specific so reasons why you moved EXP?
2: There, there, there are a number. Um, you know, partially right out of the gate. I mean, one of the things that people talk about is you can do the same amount of work, but now get three, paid three ways as opposed to one. So hmm. you get a, you still get your commission, uh, and the splits are very competitive. And and so a lot of the people I talk to on my show, top cloud agents, I'm interviewing icon agents and top agents around the country. They're getting paid 115, 120 percent on their deals, so they're like, what are you talking about, a split? I get paid by my company to work. Uh, We'll go into more of that later, but so, you know, you get paid on your deals, and everybody that I've talked to is still working hard. They're still selling homes. They're still calling expireds. They're still doing what they have to do, and the second way is you get stock for attracting people to the company, just sharing it with people when when you're talking out and about, and people are like, what's the eXp? You tell them they join, you get stock. You get stock for your closings. You can buy stock at a discount every closing. Uh, and then a third way is through a revenue share. It's kind of like a referral fee uh, for agents when they do business if you've referred them into the company. You're helping to build the company by introducing agents to the company. So the company says, hey, we'll reward you on that. And so you get paid three ways for just buying and selling real estate. That's fantastic, right? And then you add to that the culture is wonderful, the training is wonderful, the technology is wonderful. I'm saving a ton of money there. Like, there's I'm getting masterminds with with top producers around the country that have absolutely no affiliation with me. They'll just sit down and talk with me for an hour on the phone or in the cloud. I can pick the brain about just about any topic, and you can learn so much. And everybody everybody is just walking into the room with open hands to give, and if they receive something, fine. But it's such a giving culture. It's fantastic.
1: Well, we work with a lot of the top brokerages in the country, and um, the, the, who, who, which brokerage should I choose is always like one of the top questions we get pretty much all year round. And uh, it, when's it time to switch brokerage or if I switch brokerage, which brokerage would like? And the answer we've always, Julie and, and all of our coaches have always given in the past is, you know, kind of a BS answer really. It's kind of whichever one you like the best because the truth is brokerages were all identical really. It used to be Remax when Julie and I are in the business, you'd pay them a flat fee and got 100%. No Mickey Mouse, you're good. Now everyone's kind of doing these iterations of each other. They're doing, you know, caps and commission splits and da-da-da-da-da-da. So they're all the same. And really, technology-wise, what they're offering is all the same. But here's what shocks me about what's happening with a lot of these brokerages. And I'll use Keller Williams as an example, and I'm not being – I'm not like – I'm just sort of presenting. I'm not being critical of what they're doing. But they're coming out with this app. They've already come out with it. You know, And they're, they're pressing agents to get into their CRM and pressing agents to get this app to as many of their past clients and centers of influences and past clients and friends and family and whatnot. So here's the problem with that. And I want everyone to be very clear because this is, as I said earlier, this is what's happening. We're having a bifurcation, the separation of between the technologists and the traditional approach to real estate. Maybe traditional is not a strong enough way to say it. But this is essentially the bottom line, people that want agents to be relevant and people that don't want agents to be relevant. People that want agents to basically be successful business owners, people that want agents to basically learn how to perfect saying the words, do you want fries with that? I know I'm trying to be funny, but what I'm saying is also true. So if you are a Keller Williams agent and you're deciding that you want to have this Keller Williams app, it's going to be brilliant. Gary Keller is brilliant. Gary Keller's app idea is brilliant. As soon as that thing's loaded onto the iPhones and Androids of all your centers of influence and past clients, that app, along with the incredible artificial intelligence that's going to go behind it, is going to have a relationship with your center of influence and past client. Now, yes, when you leave, you take, if you go to Keller Williams and you move over to ABC Mortgage or ABC Real Estate, whatever, you're going to take your database with you. So yes, you keep your data, but do they turn that app off? If the you know the 300 of your centers of influence and past clients, all these relationships you've worked your whole career to try to carve out, so you become the trusted name in those people's minds when it comes to selling real estate. Who are they going to go to when you basically uh, you know are now you've been supplemented, if not replaced, by this app? This app is going to be in, in, the way it was described to me by Gary Keller. This app is in essence going to be. Your house manager. Your it's time to refinance your mortgage. It's time to this. The other thing they're gonna they're gonna coordinate uh, just all aspects, cover all the bases of what it takes, uh, all the things required to be a homeowner, which you know are a lot. Being a homeowner is basically having a part time job, no matter how big the house is. And so this app is going to be in essence like your prop, your own personal you know virtual property manager. The app is going to stay on their phones even if you leave the brokerage, which means the app and the brokerage, Keller Williams, are going to have the relationship. And Gary Keller said it best. He said this public many times, and many other companies are saying the same thing. I'm just using uh, Keller Williams as an example because they're you know, the one that's most dominant as far as they're wanting to in- infuse real estate with technology. Gary said he is no longer in the real estate business. He's in the technology business. Keller Williams is a technology company. Again, I'm not arguing with the validity of whether or not he needs to make that decision, but what I'm arguing with all of you and trying to convince all of you is if you're going to choose a brokerage to be with, don't you want a brokerage that's in the agent business, not in the freaking technology business? You see what's happened in the vision of these technologists is if you become the do-you-want-fries-with-that person. That's what you are. So Rick, Tim, sorry, this is the I first time I'm really
2: yeah. Tim, no, that's okay. It's the first time I'm really hearing about this app, but it it does sound brilliant for the customer. It sounds brilliant for Gary, but it sounds yep. like golden handcuffs. It sounds like golden handcuffs for the agent because if you do turn over your 300 per year uh, or 30 per year uh, transaction business to this app, like people still use Zillow. I I can set them up on my MLS as much as I want, and they go to Zillow to find their homes, and yep. they will become creatures of habit. And if you want to leave at some point to go to Remax, to go to EXP, to go to Century 21, wherever, you will lose your clients, or at least you know 20, 30 percent of them. Because yes, you have a relationship with some that you invite out to beer and you do your social happy hours and you do your monthly calls and everything else. If you, you're staying in touch with most of them, but not all of them, those you're going to lose them to the app.
1: That, that's what and it sounds like to it- me. That's sounds- not yeah. No, me too. I mean, there's. I haven't had anyone argue with me effectively, but that's not what the purpose of it is. And then once the – what's essentially the technology company, Kelly Williams, has the relationship with your customers, and if you're no longer at the company and that person, uh, you know, waves their hand and say, I want to buy or sell real estate, the app, you know, and they – their their portal is essentially the app. What's going to happen to that lead? Do you really think that no longer, now that you're no longer at Keller Williams, you think they're going to the the, co- the company, the technology company called Keller Williams, is then going to somehow magically, you know, send you that lead? Hell no! They're going to refer that out to some other agent in the business. So that's where Absolutely. they're going. It's going to they're
2: go, to, going to go
1: to a, it'll go to yeah. a Keller Williams agent for sure. For sure, yeah. And who is going to pay a ridiculous fee? Which is in essence, again, I'm saying, guys, pay attention who you partner with. So look, you put together a really kick-ass uh, short video. Um, and how does how does someone get that video? It's about um, EXP Realty. Yeah, it's just a quick little seven-minute intro. It
2: kind of goes over the basics at a very high level. If you text the word my EXP M-Y-E-X-P, to three one nine nine six, that's my EXP to three one nine nine six. You get just a short seven-minute video, explains kind of what EXP is about, talks about those multiple ways to earn revenue, discusses our, our you know, the fact we're publicly traded on NASDAQ, um, and it goes over kind of the core values of the company all in seven minutes. And, you know, that, that really I found is a great litmus test. You know, people either are like, yeah, it's for me, it's not, right, or it's for me, or I have questions. Um, and questions is a great place to be. I had questions for six months. And, you know, there are people who move in a week. There are people who move in a day, some people are smarter than I am, and they get it i 'm like I said, I was a stubborn, prideful I, I, I put up as much of a fight as I could, but now that i 'm in i 'm all in this is This is the last brokerage i 'll be with because this is a long term player that will be here for the rest of my career
1: well, i want to you said something, and I wrote it down because I want to go back to it. It was kind of you know obviously designed to be um, interesting to talk about getting paid one hundred ten to one hundred and twenty percent on deals. then you went over the fact that. Agents are getting stock in the company for just doing transactions and sponsoring agents, but they're also getting uh, revenue share. And uh, just so what, if you can get it and go far as far down those rabbit holes as you'd like to. But can you share with the listeners a little bit more about that? Why that's so important to you? You also, in just tying this all together, you also said you don't want to, you know, go to the the, the home before the home, let alone the great home in the sky, while on a listing appointment. You want to have some financial exit plans out of real estate. So you can can you tie all that together for the Rick Jansen who is listening who maybe is still trying to resist the idea that maybe this is the direction he needs to go. Sure. I mean one of the one of the ways or one of the
2: reasons people build a small firm, they build a team, they buy investment properties, is to give yourself a base salary. Right? We all know that if you if you take your foot off the pedal, ninety days later you're going to take an income hit and so you know if you have rental properties if you have a team that's out there working when you're not um if you have a small office that's working when you're not you have a certain amount of income stability and but it takes a big big toll on you as an employing broker you have you know the headaches the liability all of that uh the responsibility as a team lead you know everybody there is there like a little bird with their mouth open wanting to be fed and it was investment properties that's its own nightmare, right so you've got a, a and an level of expertise so one of the things I found with exp is you know when i when I'm at a closing, I just allocate five percent of my closing check to go to buy exp stock at twenty percent discount. There's a vesting period for sure, but I'm going to be with the company long term, so I really don't care. so I'm already buying stock at a twenty percent discount, kind of forcing myself to have a savings plan, which is fantastic. Then you know when I close the deal, I just get stock from the company. When I attract an agent, I get stock from the company. And there are a number of other ways to earn stock. But one of the one of the coolest ways to earn stock, EXP is on a split system, right? So you, you, you keep eighty percent, they get twenty percent, but only until that twenty percent equals sixteen thousand. So when you've capped out at sixteen thousand, and I didn't understand what cap meant, but it basically just means I've paid EXP sixteen thousand out of my commissions. From that point forward, I keep hundred percent for the rest of the year. Sure, there are some monthly dilly dally fees. I mean, those aren't. Are, you're going to have little monthly fees anywhere you go, and those are incidental. But I keep 100%. So now, now when I've hit, that's about in our market, that's about three million in sales, right? And now I keep 100% of my commission. But now, as I go forward, once I hit a certain benchmark in terms of the number of deals I've done, I get that 16,000 back in the form of stock. And that's called being an icon agent. And icon agents are the one that I'm interviewing on my topcloudagents.com site. And the because they're the top agents in the cloud, right? So topcloudagents.com and you can find a lot of this broken down there uh or by texting my exp to three one nine nine six. But when you're when you're getting a hundred percent of your cap back in the form of stock, that's valuable. So now you're at a hundred percent, right? Now you're cranking. So where do you get above a hundred percent? Well, that's in terms of the discounted stock. You've already made 20% hypothetically on the stock you just purchased. Or when I attract an agent, now I'm getting revenue share off of them, and that's what I was talking about with the referral fee. They do a deal, I get a small cut. They do a deal, I get a small cut. And that small cut is out of the 20% they pay, so it's right off the top. There's no Mickey Mouse. There's no worrying about profitability of the office. It just comes straight out of the, the company's share of commission because there's no brick and mortar. They have a lower overhead. They can do that. So I can calculate out very methodically, very easily, if I want to build a passive revenue business on the side, if I want that to be my side hustle instead of Lyft or Uber, and I talk to a lot of agents who are doing that these days, <laughs> if I want my side hustle to be, hey, let's attract an agent once a month, it's very predictable. Hey, I can generate this much income down the road because I don't have to worry about profitability of Bob and Sue and Harry down the, in, in my office that won't talk to me because we're competing. We're all sharing information freely. We're all working together to build the brand, We're all, to build the company rather, not just the brand, but the company and the stock value. Uh, and so now all of a sudden you start earning, let's say, you know, I'm not going to make any income claims because we don't. But let's say you earn somewhere between 500 to $2,500 per agent per year. You can very quickly figure out how many agents do I need to build up a passive income to pay for my mortgage, to pay for my car, to pay for my base expenses. And now you have freedom. Now well, you have to freedom me, let that me, let every coach has. Let,
1: let me, me jump in. Let me jump in there. Okay. So first of all, it's funny that you said about Uber because in the last three Ubers I've taken, two of them had real estate licenses, so that was kind of funny. Um, but let me ask you about. So we, you know, I know EXP agents aren't supposed to make income claims, and that makes perfect sense. But can you just give them a rough idea based? And I you mentioned that you kind of penciled this out. How many agents you have to sponsor, and just roughly speaking, what hypothetically that might equate to you, and how long you think that'll take?
2: So if you just look at the business model, and, and you say, okay, let's attract agents who are going to do three million in sales and cap out. Um, and you say, okay, what if I were just to maximize short term and quickly? And this isn't making an income claim. This is just. Diagramming out their business model, right? The EXP business model. If you attract five agents who are doing about three million in business, and they each attract about five agents who are doing three million in business, that very quickly is a ninety-four thousand dollar income.
1: Right. And I, I've talked. I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Someone actually we interviewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, what was her name? Nicole. And Nicole was someone who had only recruited uh, fifteen people, and two of them had quit. Or retired, or whatever they did. And uh, so that left her an active group of 13. Of that 13, two of the people were, you know, they are focused. They were doing a lot of sponsoring themselves. They weren't like making it their jobs. They're selling houses. They're being successful. They're sponsoring people almost as a side stream benefit of doing deals, like you described, because people say, hey, tell me more about EXP when you're in the midst of the transaction or whatnot. And then, boom, there's another sponsor for you or sponsor for you. But anyway, she ended up with 13. That group of 13 grew to 200. Now at 2 now at 200, what was fascinating is she told me her numbers on the podcast, and she was making somewhere in the low 200s per year as a result of having recruit as as, as a result of her group recruiting up you know around 200 people. Though she only personally had ever sponsored 13. Now I talked to her a couple, and she did that after 18 months in EXP. That's so she only ever recruited essentially, effectively 13. That group grew to the low 200s organically, just those people just doing you know what they do. And now uh, after about I think two years, her group's grown up to be over 300. So wow. again, I don't I don't know how many people she's personally recruited by betches. She's only up to maybe you know 15 or 20. That's what th- that's what's really fascinating about EXP is I've never seen so many people. Obviously, they're motivated because they love the company, but they're also motivated because they're creating a income source for themselves that's not dependent on a real estate transaction, which is pretty amazing because normal people can only do that from maybe you have a lot of money in the stock market and you're getting paid dividends. But the traditional way that normal people, by normal I mean people that weren't born with any sort of you know, no one not being born on third and acting like you hit a homer types you know people that were born having to create their own wealth is through rental properties that's what Julie and I did but I have to say looking back 20 some plus years and you said this Rick the cost of buying the rental properties just literally the money we had to save the hassle all the associated everything that goes with rental properties have we had the opportunity that you know I'm not a licensee so but had we had the opportunity back then we definitely would have been EXP agents we definitely would have uh, done this opportunity because it creates passive income hypothetically so much quicker and with so much less hassle and risk versus rental property. It's in, it's incredible. So well, when you you're lose thinking, all the, of-
2: you lose all the employing broker headaches, you lose all yep. the you know, emotional day-to-day headaches, and you can all of a sudden have an agent in Oklahoma, and you've never stepped foot in the state. Yeah, but one of your agents, one of your agents knows somebody there, right? And so your 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 group starts to grow organically. And I talk to people who are like, "Well, I'm not a recruiter, and I'm not a this and a that, and I don't. I'm bad at talking to people. Like, well, if you're bad at talking to people, real estate might not be your profession. (laughs) But if you're, you know, if you're bad at recruiting, it's because you've never had something to recruit to. And plus, you really don't have to recruit in exp. I -hmm. mean, when you go to my when you text the word my exp to three one nine nine six. You'll see that seven-minute video does the job for you. And anybody who joins up with EXP can get this video, and you share that video with someone, and it's, it's either a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a question mark. Two out of three of those are great. Someone's expressed an interest in learning how to develop themselves, learning how to create a different future for the family, learning how to create a different future for themselves, and, you know, possibly save their marriage because they're not constantly worried about money, possibly, you know, invest in their kids and avoid therapy down the road, right? I mean, there are all sorts of reasons people get into finding their why, but you can go really deep really fast. And plus, you know, even if you, like I remember when I used to sit in the, the apple pie shop with my parents, I think it was called like Pop and Fresh Pies back in the day in the Midwest, and we would do two times two times two times two times two while we waited for pie to arrive. And, you know, you're very quickly up over a couple of million, you know, when you do the multiplication. So let's just say you attract two people and they attract two people. And let's say it takes you a year to have two people fall into your lap that wanna switch brokerages and and see the the value in this. And it takes them a year, and it takes them a year, and it takes them a year, right? And you only attract two people. The way that will multiply out, and I'm never gonna say it's gonna go two by two by two by two. It'll probably go two by 10 by one by five. But however that grows out, the numbers still add up so quickly. To a, just a stable financial future that can exist long after you've decided not to sell real estate.
1: Yeah, and that, in, like you said, you get paid multiple ways, which is the, it goes hand in hand with the, what Julie and I preach in Harris Rules, our book. You know, you got to create multiple lead generators, i.e., multiple spokes. But you also want to create multiple income sources, and that only comes when your your spokes that you've created to generate the leads results in you making profit, with that profit you reinvest it, and then uh, hypothetically you want to have multiple sources of income. That way if one of the sources of income isn't as strong one year as – then maybe the others will – that kind of thing. That approach to business and life and wealth accumulation is just in perfect alignment with – that's the reason it's so fun talking with all these EXP agents because they're so – uh to get it you know it's it's that's the other thing rick it's really fascinating when you know you have a true north when you know you have a path forward that could not be any clearer that has to feel like a revelation like you don't have to try to figure out your way into being rich where your money works for you you no longer work for your money you have a clear path what does that feel like emotionally emotionally it feels awesome tim i got to tell
2: you like Looking forward and having a dream, a hope, and a future, like there's possible joy. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of agents that have been in the business 15, 20 years. They're getting, they're getting kind of beat down, and they're kind of getting burned out, but they have no retirement set up. They don't have multiple rental properties. They don't have multiple people running around, you know, giving them too large a share of their commission to keep them afloat. You know, with the team model, I think that's kind of like just taking almost taking advantage of people. Not to talk badly about teams, there's a lot of training and leads that go with that. But when I talk to people, and, and when I talk to team leaders that have come over to EXP, you know what the number one reason they did it? It was for uh, the retention. Team. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it was for, for the team. for the sure. team. And because they said, look, I've hit it, right? I'm, you know, they're they're talking to me. They're like, I'm making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Some of them even more. But I've done it on the backs of other people. And if I leave, those people are going to have nothing. And here's a way where it's a completely level playing field. I can teach them to play my exact game, and they can dial in whatever income they want. And when I leave, they still have that. And so well, I'm it, doing it to reward the, the team members that, I, that, I, that have served me so well, that have learned from me so well, that have invested in me and my family. I'm giving. This is their chance to give back
1: and the flip side of it's true too i mean uh maybe you're like you everyone who's built a team knows that the biggest problem is essentially as soon as people become successful they have their gears are spinning and they're thinking about well i'll just go some, i'll just do this myself and that's the biggest that's the reason that so many of these teams one of the many reasons that so many of the, the the team model is rot with peril the biggest one being for 99% of the agents listening right now, yes, have staff, maybe have two or three assistants, but don't do this big team thing because your profit margins are terrible. And There's been study after study after study, that, but it doesn't, that doesn't even account for the human turmoil that goes on in your life as your key people quit as they go off to do their own you know, competing uh, entities that are literally competing in the same market as you, and what you've done is you've essentially schooled up your biggest competitor. Well, the, what's fascinating is that eXp makes it so that if that happens to your team, it's not so bad because those people who are on your team, who are hypothetically on your part of your revenue team as far as EXP, even if they decide to branch out and do their own thing, you're still benefiting from them financially, and that's a new paradigm for people who basically have been stung so, multiple, so many times from their teams, you know, building them up and then just tearing them back down. So an interesting, definite partnership that all of you should definitely be exploring is EXP royalty. So Rick, what is the act? How did they get that video again that you that you created?
2: Sure, so text the word MYEXP, M-Y-E-X-P, to 31996. That's MYEXP to 31996.
1: So you're obviously a very smart, very successful, hardworking, focused. I like the fact when I texted you the other day, you said, I'm sorry, I'm on a date with my wife. I'm not going to work while I'm on a date with my wife. I respected that. You got your head screwed on straight. You are a a small broker, and you saw the advantage, just the different pivots you've made in your marketplace. If someone wants to call you directly, can they, or text you directly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. My cell phone is 303-589-2320 again that's 303-589-2320 and it's probably best to text me first and I'll call back uh, but absolutely happy to talk to anybody whether you whether you've learned about EXP and sign up under somebody else or whether you've learned about EXP here or if you just want to talk about investment properties and how to find investors and cash you know cash behind it anything we talked about I'm happy to share
1: and I watched that video it's fantastic so make sure you text the word my m y e x p e x p right to 31996 Text the word exp to 31996, or if you'd like to call Rick directly, you can as well. So, sir, I really appreciate your time. That hour just flew by. I certainly yeah, appreciate everyone. Out. Yeah, it was fun. We knew it would be. <laughs> so, everyone, if you need to get hold of Rick, you have his uh, contacts right there. In the meantime, go ahead and text the word exp to 31996. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.